everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Yeah, how exciting was that the other night, huh? If you were there, whoa. We had over a thousand people there um, at, at, that, uh, at that site, at our community center, and it was just thrilling. Hopefully it was thrilling for you. It was amazing. Uh, night. So, but I, everybody deserves to be recognized, all of those that were there uh, that night. Uh, first, first, I just want to say this, uh, Lauren Mosley can be trusted. Um, so just so you know, it's just a rule of a life for, for those that don't know Lauren. She can be, she can be trusted. I doubted her and I shouldn't have. And, and she was right. Okay. All right. So that's that. All right. I, ish. She was right-ish. We'll work that out later. Okay, so, but I'm a man of my word. Um, it was amazing. Oh, before, I don't want to forget to see there, Sharon, it is so incredibly good to see you. Sharon, love you. Sharon has just been uh, battling with some health things for, uh, man, a long time, and it is, I am honored to have you with us in the room uh, this morning, and I know many uh, that are here this morning are honored to, that you're here as well. So uh, thank you for, for, for making the effort, and, and I know it's not easy uh, to do that. Love you. Thank you for being here. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sharon, awesome, ma- amazing lady. Uh, also, just a few people um, I, I want to uh, recognize. I got um, Savannah. Come here, Savannah. Come here. Come on, girl. Come on. So this Savannah. Uh, Savannah was at our trunk or treat. Savannah, um, she is uh, an amazing young lady. Uh, she is smart, intelligent, kind, gracious, beautiful. Uh, she is absolutely incredible. So this is um, uh, the girlfriend of Andrew, who we prayed uh, to go to Florida. This is his girlfriend. And the reason I, I said, you know, he's single, and the reason is because she, she's way too good for him. That's... That's why I said that. I said because she's, I don't think that he should be with her. She's way, way too good, like too good for him. So, but anyway, Savannah, uh, there's Savannah at our trunk or treat. Uh, she did such an incredible job with her trunk and passing out candy and engaging with people. Uh, so Savannah, thank you so much uh, for your effort. Appreciate you. Yep. Um, um, uh, Sarah and, and, uh, and uh, Scott, Sarah and Scott had a great trunk. Do we have, there they are, Market Street Zoo uh, trunk. So here you go. Congratulations. You guys did an awesome job, awesome job. Um, um, who else? Who else? Who else? Where are they at? Huh? Melinda, Melinda did an amazing job. Come here, Melinda. Come on. Melinda did an awesome job. Here you go. You have Starbucks on us. Yeah, she had. Well, your, yours was um, Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland. That's right. That's right. Okay. Okay, good. Um, all right. Zahavia, come here, Zahavia. Come here. Come on. Zahavia, like, amazing. Like, I firsthand, firsthand watched her, like, be exactly what we ought to be at these events. She 
was incredible. Like she was like, just right here is a perfect picture. No, it's not. It's a perfect picture of what she would do to every single child that walked up to her. Uh, she was so, you were so engaging, um, welcoming, it just, just adored, just do doted over. Is that a word? Doted? Okay. <laughs> Okay, she just loved on people. That's what she did when people walked up to her. And, and so, Zahavia, thank you so much. And uh, appreciate you, you helping us out uh, for our event. And you deserve that. And, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Hey, uh, one more, one more. Norm, come here, Norm. Norm Barker, come here. Come here, Norm Barker. Norm Barker, come here. Yeah. Norm... Um, Norm was, uh, he was with us most of the day getting set up at, he, whatever we needed him to do, uh, Norm was willing to do, uh, you know, even, even when I came in, um, you know, I get a little, uh, wound up at these events, uh, and I get, I get, um, a little animated sometimes, especially when things don't go the way that I want them to go exactly. Uh, but, and Norm was just there, just, just rolling with the punches, literally, not literally punches, but it, it felt like maybe some gut punches. But um, he was just there, willing to do whatever, asking us whatever we can, what he can do to be there with us. He was there a long time throughout the day. So I don't know if you like Starbucks or not, but, but have some coffee uh, on us. And, yep. Yep. Um, Norm and Rebecca, thank you so much for your generosity. I, can, I could go around the room and just thank you, everyone that, that participated in, in that event. We just had just an incredible, incredible uh, turnout, and it was awesome. And I wish I could just, I, I wish I could just go around, and, and, but I, I want to preach. Uh, so, uh, and I'm out of gifts. Uh, and so, but I just, I can't even, from, I just can't even tell you how much I appreciate everybody and their efforts uh, that they put into uh, to this event, and uh, I, I, I could again I'll go on and on and on, um, and just thank you, uh, dote on you. Is that is that a word though? Can I is that still am I saying this right? Okay, good. Uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you so much for uh, for your help and your support and your serving and you loving people. That's what we're doing. That's what we're about. We're how, we're about loving people, love our community in hopes that we can get them into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's our goal. That's our mission, right? And that's why we do what we do. Love people, help them see the love of Jesus, and get them into a loving, personal relationship with Jesus. It's as simple as that. Yeah, simple as that. All right. All right, so... Um, I told you last week, I, briefly as we were leaving, that I, we're going to talk about Jesus's Halloween sermon today. Yeah, and you're like, I didn't even, I know, I've been, I read the Bible over and over, I had no idea that Jesus had a Halloween sermon. He did, he had a Halloween sermon, at least it sounds like a Halloween sermon. And when I say that, here's your faces, this is what your faces look like. Like, what kind of church is this, right? Uh, so those are your faces. But Jesus did have a Halloween sermon. Before we get there, and you'll get it when we, once we get there, uh, we sort of have to set the table a little bit to, to, to sort of, you know, get us to that place where Jesus said some things that were um, really sort of a head scratcher and hard to understand and certainly was hard for uh, for people to understand. And so, um, so um, just so you know, uh, just, uh, just to, as a 
way of just under knowing things about Halloween. Um, Halloween is, comes from uh, All Hallows' Eve, All Hallows' Eve. Uh, that, that's where they get the name Halloween. Um, it also, it, it, it's the day before. So All Hallows' Eve is the day before All Hallows' Day, uh, which is known um, in uh, you know, Catholicism of All Saints' Day, All Saints' Day, where they, which is November 1st, where they recognize all saints. And so that's where it comes from, All Hallows' Eve, Halloween. Um, so Hallows, just in case you didn't know, maybe you already knew, uh, means holy or means saint. That's why it's referred to as, as All Saints' Day. There's even a verse, there's this obscure verse, verse. Maybe you've never read this verse before, but it's in, it's in Matthew 6, 9. It says, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? And so that's kind of where uh, this comes from. And so uh, just, just a li- that has nothing to do with the sermon. Just wanted to kind of teach that for a minute. That was fun for a second. Okay. Um, so what we're talking about today is, is Jesus's uh, Halloween sermon. And so uh, it, we, we're going to pick it up and, and start it out in John chapter number six. And John six says this, um, it says, after these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee or other ways, other a name for it was uh, Tiberius. And so after these things is referring to an incident that happened where Jesus lost somebody that was very near and dear to him. Jesus lost um, more than a friend. He lost a family member. He lost a cousin. He was more than even a cousin. He was like a brother uh, to Jesus. He, was, he meant so much to him. And his name was uh, John the Baptist. If, you, if you've you know, been a part of church, his name was John the Baptist. John the Baptist was Jesus's forerunner. And John the Baptist, because of his confidence, because of his boldness, because of his faith, he literally lost his head. He was beheaded uh, because of his position um, on repentance and, 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 and pointing to Jesus, saying, he's the Lamb of God, talking about Jesus. He would point him and say, he's the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of this world. And so this is sort of after these things. Jesus went away to the other side. So Jesus sort of went away and kind of retreated away, trying to get away after, you know, losing somebody that he was, was so, so near and dear to him. And then it says this, and so, as a, as a matter of fact, because of, of John, uh, his confidence and his boldness, he got put into prison. So before he was beheaded, he was put into a prison cell. And even, even John, who was a relative of Jesus, uh, bold in his faith, had a moment of doubt. He had a time where he, where he doubted. He had a time where he was, was unsure of whether he you know, if this was the, the, the right thing or if he was really following the right guy. And as a matter of fact, while John the Baptist was in prison, before he lost his, his head, literally, he lost his head spiritually and he questioned whether Jesus was the right guy. And it says that he, after um, a certain amount of time in prison, after summoning two of his disciples, John sent them to the Lord saying, are you the coming one or are we to look for another? So this is John the Baptist, right? Forerunner of Jesus, right before that, pointing to Jesus, saying, he's the Lamb of God, he's the Lamb of God, he's the Lamb of God. And he's now in a prison cell, in doubt. And no, none of you have ever been there before, I'm sure. In doubt, going, wait a second, did I put my faith in the right guy? And so he sends two disciples and asks Jesus that question. Jesus says to them this, he says this, the next verse, and he answered 
and said to them, Go and report to John what you have seen and what you have heard. What you have seen and what you have heard. Remember, we talked about last week. That was the, the, that was the idea of, of, of Christianity, where it all began before we, you know, before we had a Bible in our hands. It was all about them going out and saying, listen, this is what we've seen with our own eyes. We were eyewitnesses to something amazing. What we've seen and what we heard. And so this was still what they were saying. And he answered and said, what you've seen were people who were blind received sight. People who were limped walked, and he goes on to say this, people with leprosy are cleansed, and people who are deaf hear, dead people are raised up, and people who are poor have the gospel preached to them. This was Jesus's way of sending John's disciples back to John, saying, listen, John, I know you're in this prison cell, and here's what Jesus also knew. I know that you're about to lose your life, but you put your faith and trust and belief in the right person. The blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised. And then Jesus said something that is so important for all of us. All of us, when we have our moments where we go, is this really what I should be following? Is this really true? Is this really all that, you know, Pastor Chris makes it out to be? Is this really something that I, you know, should give my life to and and follow my life and live according to, you know, the Bible? Is this really something that God wants for me? And here's what Jesus also says to the guys that sent, went back to John. And blessed is anyone who does not take offense at me. In other words, John, I know that there is right now a gap between your expectations of what you think that I should do, can do, ought to do, and what you're experiencing now. And we all have those moments. We all have those gaps of, God, I expect you to do something, but this is what I'm experiencing. God, I expect you to do something, but this is what I'm seeing. God, I expect you to do something, and you're just not doing what I need you to do. And Jesus's response to you and to me and to John in that moment was, Blessed is anyone who does not take offense at me. Even when you think, even when you think that I should do something according to your will, God says, I've got a better plan and a better will for you. Even whether you, are you ready for this? Whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not. Okay? John loses his life. Now, John loses his life. This is what he responds to them. This is an important narrative to where we are going, okay? Next verse, back to John 6. A large crowd was following him because they were watching the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. So, even though Jesus is trying to get away, he loses somebody that he loved dearly. By the way, do you know what Jesus said about John the Baptist? 
He says, there's never been born of a woman greater than John. What a statement. Jesus said that about John. There's never been born of a woman greater than John. So Jesus' heart was broken. He lost his, his, like a brother to him. But then Jesus drew a crowd. Jesus just drew a crowd. And the reason why Jesus always drew a crowd was, is because they were watching what John called the signs. John called the signs, which he was performing on those who were sick. So Jesus oftentimes had a large crowd around him because they were hoping that Jesus would do something for them. They were hoping that Jesus would perform a miracle for them or, or to make them well. That's what they were hoping that they would do. Well, Jesus, you know, would, would do that. And Jesus would do that. Sometimes he wouldn't do that, you know, and they, but they were hoping that they would find Jesus that would, would do that. So, but Jesus in this particular story gives them signs. Now, before we get into what happens next, you and I need to have a better understanding of what are signs. What are signs? Signs are Jesus performed physical signs to reveal spiritual truths. Jesus did physical signs, or we, we may say miracles, or signs and wonders, in order for him to reveal a spiritual truth. For example, when Jesus healed a man that was, a, that was paralyzed, he first came to the man after his friends lowered him down through the roof. They opened up the roof and they lowered him down through the roof where Jesus was because there was a large crowd gathering around him and, pe- and they couldn't get their friend to Jesus because of the large crowd. And so they go through the roof, they lower this man down, and here's the first thing that Jesus says to this crippled man as he's on his stretcher, lowered down at Jesus' feet. Jesus tells the man, your sins are forgiven. And the guy, we don't, he, doesn't, he doesn't record this, but the guy I'm sure th- is thinking to himself, that's not why I'm here. And Jesus said that. Why? Because there were some religious guys that were around him, guys that they were referred to as Pharisees that were around there. And they were saying, they were appalled. They were like, you, you can never say that. You are not a deity. You are not God. You, can, you have no right to claim that you can forgive sins. But Jesus said this. He said this, just so that you know, This is important. Just so that you know that I have the power and the ability to forgive sins, I'm going to tell this guy to stand up and walk. The primary purpose for Jesus' signs and wonders, the primary purpose for miracles that you see that Jesus did, were not primarily for the person that got healed or the person that was made well. It was for the bystanders to see who Jesus is and the power and the ability that Jesus has to do. This is why Jesus would perform these physical signs to reveal spiritual truths. I healed this guy and he benefited from it But the reality is I just wanted the large crowd to see and the Pharisees to see that I can also forgive sins. Make sense? Okay. Another reason why there were signs was this. Jesus spoke in metaphors to illustrate 
who he was. Jesus spoke in metaphors to illustrate who he was. So Jesus would say things like, I'm the bread of life. Okay? It was a metaphor. He wasn't actually bread. I'm the light of the world. It's a metaphor. He's not actually light. I am the door. He wasn't actually a door. I am the vine. Are you getting my point? He wasn't actually a vine. But he would use metaphors to illustrate who he was. Okay? The next verse says this. Therefore, when people saw... Okay, so I went too far ahead. Um, So what happened is, is Jesus now performs a sign. And Jesus' sign was... uh, Feeding 5,000, okay? If you've been a part of church, you, you know that story. Jesus has everybody that was large crowd. Remember, there was, there was actually probably more than 5,000 uh, there present. And so he he's, sits everybody down. He takes the boys' lunch, right? Because why? Because God uses foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And as probably a joke for one of his disciples, they're like, Listen, Jesus is going to cost us like over 200 denarii uh, to feed all these people. And that probably won't be enough to, you know, to, to fill them up. And which is a 200 days worth of wages. And so he, Jesus is like, but they're like, hey, well, there's this boy that has, you know, a few loaves of bread and a few fish. And Jesus is like, that's good. You know, I'll take that. That will work. And so he takes the boy's lunch and he has them all sit down on green grass. And as he, he gives thanks, right? Remember the story? He takes the few loaves of bread and the few fish that he have, has and he gives thanks to the Lord, you know, for it. And then as a result of that, he starts distributing all the food out. And before they know it, 5,000 plus, so it, it, just, it just recorded men. There was 5,000 men, which means there was probably women there and children there. So it was probably more like 15,000, maybe 20,000 people there. And he feeds just from the boys' lunch. You know the story. He feeds all of those people from that. And he does a miracle. It's a sign. He does an incredible thing. And so as a result of that, here's what, and so they, after a large, uh, verse, if you can go now to verse 14 for me, Neva. Therefore, when the people saw the sign, which he had before, performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. And so they're like, wow, this guy is amazing. Wow. Another sign. He he, from what we could tell, you know, he didn't have like a caravan of food. You know, it was just him and 12 guys just roll up, you know, and, and, and come, you know. He didn't have anything like that. So he just took whatever was there, whatever was available, and somehow he just performed this sign. He did this incredible thing. And they recognized that. And they all were full. They all were full. And the point here is this, and this is so important, so important. For a moment, and this is also true for us, for a moment, and let's just say for the time that they ate and were full, they recognized Jesus for who Jesus was, not just for what Jesus could do. Are you with me? They recognized for a moment, probably just, we know this because we're going to continue on in the story. Just in the time that they were still full, 
They recognized Jesus for who Jesus was, for just for that short time. And then because of that, and their bellies were full, verse 15. So Jesus, aware that they intended to come and take him by force to make him king. So the people are going, if this guy can feed me and my family, I want him king. I want him king. Boy, it didn't take much for them to say, hey, if this guy gives me lunch, uh, he's, he can be my king. But it wasn't time for that yet. It wasn't time for that yet. So instead, you know what Jesus does? It says that Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. And then he sends his disciples back on a boat. And as they head back on a boat, Jesus is again by himself on a mountain. And says, guys, you get on a boat, and I'll walk and catch up with you later. And he walked on water. Once he does that, and he gets to the other side, here's what happens. The crowd is now starting to get hungry again. And they start coming and and trying to find or figure out where Jesus is. But they know that Jesus' disciples got on the boat. And they're thinking, even though we didn't see Jesus get on the boat, but his disciples are on the boat, so eventually maybe Jesus will catch up to them. And so the crowd starts following Jesus. Look what happens next, verse 25. And when they found him, they find, they, the crowd did, the large crowd. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? You ever have those times where you're like, you know, maybe you're like, oh, you, know, you knew somebody was going to be there. You're like, oh, when did you get here? I had no idea. It's so funny how we just bumped into each other like that, right? Like this is how they were. They're like, oh, crazy. What a coincidence. What? How weird is this? Like we were just over, you know, and remember you fed us lunch? Remember you did that? That was pretty cool. Like what if you, what if you did that again? And look what Jesus says to them right next, verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate some of the loaves and were filled. Jesus calls them out on it. Hey, listen, I know why you, you bumped into me. Oh, Rabbi. What a coincidence. Weird, right? Oh, I know why. I know why, Jesus said. Not because you recognize me for who I am, even though they did that for a moment, right? They rolled past the sign and they saw Jesus for who Jesus was. And Jesus says, you only seek me because you ate some of the loaves and were full. So before we go any further, I just want to give you just a definition of truly, truly, because we're going to look at some things that Jesus said. Truly, truly actually means amen, amen. That's what it it means. Amen, amen. So typically when we pray, we close with amen. When Jesus talked and when Jesus gave what what we, we see here as a an absolute truth, an absolute truth. 
In other words, Jesus was saying, when Jesus would say truly, truly, and we're going to see this a few times, when Jesus would say truly, truly, he was saying, amen, amen, which is basically him saying, listen, I don't just think this, I know this. I don't just, I'm not just assuming something, I know this is true. It is an absolute positive truth. It's absolute. So when Jesus was telling him truly, truly, he was saying to this, listen, I don't think it. I'm not assuming it. It's an absolute. I know it. Amen. Amen. It's a for sure. It is true. It is true. So then he says this, therefore, they said to him, what are we to do so that we may accomplish the works of God? This is what we do. Okay, so you know why we're here. You caught us. But what do we have to do, Jesus, to get you to do something for us again? What do we have to do? What is it that we have to do to get you to do something for us again? And then they said this in verse 30. So they said to him, what then are you doing as a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work are you going to perform? They're going, okay, okay, okay. What do we need to do in order for you to feed us again? And then, or whatever sign you want to do this time, we're open to it. Because, and, and when you, if you just do one more thing for me, if you do one more thing for me, then I'll believe. If you just come through for me just this one more time, then I'll follow you. If you just, you know, answer this one prayer, then I'll, you know, do, I'll go to church more. I'll, I'll read my Bible more. or I'll pray to you more. What work, what Jesus, what work are you going to perform for me? And here's what Jesus is telling him. Amen, amen. You only go to him to get something from him. Here's what happens to us. God, what can you do for me? God, what can you give me? You know what they wanted? They wanted tricks and treats. <laughs> Jesus, what, what trick do you got? Hey, I, you know what my favorite trick is? That my favorite trick is when you took that little loaves of bread and those few fish, and you filled me. That was an awesome trick. Perform that one. Okay, okay, okay. If you don't want to do that one, hey, you know what I heard you did? I heard you, you went to a wedding and they ran out of wine. And you filled like seven large jars full of water and it turned into wine. That sounds good too. Whatever. What trick can you do? What treat do you got? Because that bread was pretty good and that wine was pretty tasty. Now, I don't know if you've, if I've heard this a lot before and maybe you've said this before, maybe you said this to yourself. I've heard this a lot as a pastor just being in this world. And here's what people often say. 
I gave up on church or faith because I wasn't getting anything out of it. Right? I, I used to go, but, you know, the pastor, he's kind of annoying. He goes way too long. And, you know, the music is too loud. And I don't know why they turn the lights off. And, you know, all the, oh, I'm sorry, too close to home. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just, I don't know, I just, I just gave up going to church because I just wasn't getting anything out of it. They, they always ask for money. They make it real simple. They give us this texting number, 84321. And they just want, they're just trying to get into my pockets and take, you know, from me. And the, the, they're, they're trying to get me to, you know, show up on a Wednesday night and work a trunk or treat. <sighs> I don't have time for that stuff. So I just, I just not, I'm just not getting anything out of it. And this is oftentimes where we feel. And this is oftentimes a mindset that we get. And this is exactly where they were. Hey, Jesus, Lord, what's your next trick that you can do for me? Lord, what's your next treat that you can bless me with. And then we don't, when we don't feel like, it seems like we're just not getting anything from this, it's easy for us to exit the back door and say, I don't know what this is doing for me, so I guess I don't really need it. So these people in this narrative, they wanted to just settle for some old tricks and some old treats. So you know what they say next to Jesus? Here's what they say next, verse 31. So whatever you want to perform, Jesus, you perform. We'll take any trick, any treat. You know, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Go ahead and do that one. That, was, that sounded fun for our fathers. Like he like gave us food from heaven and they ate it. And it was, they, they were filled with it. That, we'll, we'll take that. We'll take that. And then Jesus says this. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, there it is. For sure, for sure. Truly, true, true. Absolute, absolute. I say to you. It is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. And then Jesus said this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life metaphor. For the one who comes to me will not be hungry, and the one who believes in me will never be thirsty. In other words, here's what Jesus wants us to understand. Whenever we get into a place where we are, where John the Baptist was, where we start to doubt, when we start to think, what are we getting out of this? I did this, I do this, I participated in that, and then, God, this is, this is how you treat me. 
God, you, it seems like you're ignoring me. God, it seems like you've walked away from me. God, it seems like you put me on a shelf. God, I just don't feel your presence right in my life right now. God, is this how you treat your sons? Is this how you treat your daughters? And this is Jesus's response to John and Jesus's response to you and Jesus's response to me. And, this, and that's this. He says, listen, I just want you to know, amen. Amen. You get satisfied in him. You get satisfied in him. Here's what he wants you to know. Here's what he wants you to know. Nothing in this world satisfies. Nothing in this world fulfills. Nothing in this world. Jesus was saying, listen, yeah, Father, God your, gave your fathers manna out of heaven. I am I am the manna. I am the bread of life. I am here to offer myself to you. You are looking for the food. You are looking for the thing, the next thing. You are looking for the whatever it is to bring you fulfillment or satisfaction in your life, and you'll never find it in this world. Jesus is saying you can only get satisfaction in me. And here's what he says. John said, he says, do not, listen, this is so important. Do not work for food that perishes. What are we doing? We're living our lives for something else that just perishes. Don't work for thinking that your job is going to give you what you need to satisfy that longing that you have in your soul. No food that you put in your stomach will ever satisfy. You know how we know that? Because... When I eat breakfast, I also need to eat lunch later. And when I eat breakfast and lunch, I also need to eat dinner. And when I eat breakfast and lunch and dinner, I also need a late night snack, usually a bowl of cereal. And then when I go to sleep and I wake up, you know what, I, I need to eat again. These are metaphors. These are reminders that every time you get hungry, you know, are reminded, this doesn't satisfy. You remember going trick-or-treating, if you did, and you walked around, and you, 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 every year you're like, I've got to hit more houses. i got to hit more houses. Next year I'm going to hit more houses. And you started getting plans together with your friends, you know, as it was coming close. And you're like, we're not going to walk this year. We're going to run this year. And we're going to bring a big old, you know, big old bag, you know, a pillowcase. I always had a pillowcase, right? And we're, we're not walking. We're running. And every year, every year, every year, I got more and more and more and more candy. Andy, you know what I always discovered? It never was enough. And we were thinking, man, I walked and then I jogged. Next year, we got a sprint and we need a map and we need to be strategic about where we go and what we do. Why? Because it's never enough. Hey, do your pumpkins last all year? They don't, do they? They rot, don't they? You know what that's a reminder of? That nothing in this life lasts. But the, for the food that lasts for eternal life, which is the Son of Man, will give you 
For on him the Father God has set his seal. And Jesus told him, hey, guys, 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 don't settle for all the old tricks and all the old treats. And all the old tricks for you and I are our career, our better health. Like we think a better version of ourselves will make us happy. Keep trying that. Listen, I'm all for painting the house. Get the house painted. Look as good as you want to look coming out of that house. But know this, it will never satisfy. That was a metaphor for you. It will never satisfy. It is, you can go to the old tricks, you can go to the old treats, but it will never, ever be enough. And that's what Jesus tells them. Look at what he says in verse 49. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. And you know what happened to them? They died They died. Why would you want to live your life for something that perishes? Why would you give all your energy and time and money and investment into something that eventually dies? And Jesus is saying, amen, Amen. You can find satisfaction, but it's only in me. Because I'm the bread of life. Jesus goes on to say this. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, now here's where it becomes weird. This is, these are bad verses for Jesus' PR. And the reason why Jesus is doing that is because he's wanting them to not follow. This is important. He's wanting them to not follow him because of what they can get from him, but because of who he is. Because of who he is. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, this is an absolute truth. This is firsthand knowledge. I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, huh? You have no life in yourself. It goes on to say this. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 56. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. And they responded exactly the way that you would think they would respond. Look what they say. So then many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This statement is very unpleasant. Who can listen to it? Of course they would, right? Like, he's like, eat my flesh? Are you a zombie? Drink my blood? Are you a vampire? What are you talking about? This is unpleasant stuff. And, 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 they're like, 
we don't even understand what you're saying. Not only is this unpleasant, but we don't even get this. We don't even get this teaching. We don't, are you speaking in metaphor? Yes, he was. He was speaking in metaphor. But what what does it even mean? I don't get it. Here's the thing. Oftentimes we find ourselves where we feel like life is unpleasant and we find ourselves going, God, I don't understand what you want here. God, I don't understand what you're doing here. God, I don't really get what it is that you want to teach me in this situation. That's where we oftentimes get to. And as a result of that, we do what they did. Look what it says in verse 66. As a result of this, many of his disciples, are you ready for this? Left and would no longer walk with him. Okay, Jesus, like, it was a lot more fun when you had to sit down in that green grass and feed us all that bread. I know there was a bunch of carbs, but man, it was good bread. And now you're talking about like eating your flesh and drinking your blood. This is unpleasant. And this is hard to understand what you're saying. And we get to that place in our faith walk, in our faith journey, where life is unpleasant and God isn't doing what we think God should do. As if God's our own personal vending machine. God, I want this prayer answered, A7. And then it gets stuck. And you know what you do. You're like, give me those chips. Where's that candy, right? As if God's our own personal vending machine. God, you're not doing what you want, what I ask you to do. You're, God, you're not doing what I want you to do here. God, you're not coming through for me when I want you to come through. God, you're, you're saying things, or I'm, I'm sensing things that are unpleasant in my life. I'm living through some unpleasant things, God, and you're just not showing up the way that I thought you would show up. And as a result... When that happens to us in our faith, when we get to a place like John the Baptist in the prison cell of doubt, even though at one time or another we're going, he's the Lamb of God, he's the Lamb of God, he's the Lamb of God. We're worshiping, we're praising, we're lifting our hands up, he's good. And we, we think every sermon's great and you're like, preach as long as you want, I don't care. And then after a while you're like, life is hard, life is unpleasant, God isn't coming through for me, I don't think so. And we, as a result of that, we walk away from him. We walk away. Because our expectation of God isn't meeting our experiences with life. And so Jesus said to the 12, as the large crowd is beginning to walk away because they're not getting from Jesus what they thought they would. So Jesus said to the 12, You do not want to leave also, do you? 
It's almost like he saw the 12, and the, the 12 are like, maybe we can just blend in with the crowd. <laughs> like, he's talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Maybe we'll just, like, maybe we'll, we'll just, maybe he'll, he won't notice us. But he, Jesus looks at the 12. He says, hey, I know things are unpleasant right now. And I know that things aren't going the way that you thought that they would go. But you don't want to, you don't want to leave too, do you? And Simon Peter gave the best response. And, and I think it's the reason why you and I should never, ever think that we walk away or should walk away. And it's what makes Christianity so different than any other faith-based religion. It's what sets Jesus apart than any other faith that you can put your life or give your life to. And here's what Peter says. Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have words of eternal life. Even in the moments where you experience doubt and uncertainty, and is this thing really going to benefit me and help me? It's responding like Peter. Where else? To whom else? To what else? Till shall I go? The world? Everything perishes. Myself? I let me down more than anyone lets me down. I let myself down. To whom were you going to go to? The only logical person is to go to the one who speaks words of eternal life. And Peter says this, and we, and we have already believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So, Amen, amen. You get saved by grace through faith in his sacrifice on a cross. When Jesus was talking about eating my flesh and drinking my blood, he was using it as a very difficult, hard to understand metaphor of what he was gonna do for the whole world and what he's done for you and me and that what he has done for you and me is that he saved us by his grace. That you didn't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You just have to put your faith in it and receive the free gift of grace that he's offered to every single one of us. The work was 
finished on the cross. The sacrifice was made instead of you. He took your place on that cross so that you and I wouldn't have to. He took the wrath of God for a a justice that God was owed for you and for me. Amen and amen to that. Where else would you turn to? To whom where you would go? Because only one man was the Holy One of God who lived a perfect, sinless life to take on your sins and mine so that you and I can have eternal life. So, when you are tempted to leave faith or the church because you aren't getting anything out of it, where else would you go? Where else would you go and get life? Or when you take offense with Jesus because he hasn't given you what you want, You need to know this. The blind receive sight. The people limped, walk. People with leprosy are cleansed. People who are dead hear. Dead people are raised to life. That's you and me, by the way. When you and I die, we are going to be raised up on the last day, everyone. All of us, when we, if you put your faith in Jesus, you take your last breath here. You are now entering into and wake up into eternity where Jesus is. And you you get to be with him forever. The dead are raised up and people who are poor have the gospel preached to them. That's good news. So when you take offense, we all do. You put your trust and your faith in the right person. His name is Jesus. And he's the only one that satisfies. And he's the only one who took his life for us so that we can have eternal life with him. Where would you go? Where would you go? Father, there's often times in our lives where things that we experience and see and go through are just hard to understand. And God, I just pray, Lord, that we stop being people that just keep coming to you, hoping to just get something from you. As if you're someone that just dispenses things for us because of based on what we want or what we think is best for us. But instead that we come to you for who you are, for who you are, 
that you are the Holy One. You are the one that offered up the sacrifice. You broke your body. You shed your blood. And by partaking in that, by partaking in the fact that we can eat of your flesh and drink of your blood, we put our faith and belief in the finished work that was done on the cross. And we're so grateful that you give us symbolisms and metaphors by using cracker and juice as a symbolic of what you were saying there in that moment. But it is always just meant to be a reminder for us of what you have already done. And whether you give us blessings and answer all of our prayers and do the things that we ask you to do and the moment that we ask them. We, whether you never do any of those things for us, God, we just, we just know that you've already done the greatest thing for us. You've already accomplished and met our greatest need. And that was that we were sinners and we needed a savior. And you are that. And you give us grace. And you give us life. And we are only satisfied through you and in you. And when we abide in you. We thank you for providing that for us. Whether you give us anything else in this life or not. Because where, where would we go? Because you're the only one. You're the only one that we need. In Jesus' name, amen.